Both of today's scripture readings speak about the temple of God. The gospel speaks about the temple that was in Jerusalem, while the epistle speaks about the temple that is in each of us. Apostle Paul exhorts us in today's epistle, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. We are the temple of God, the dwelling place of his Holy Spirit. And this temple must be holy. When Jesus came to Jerusalem, he went into the temple and cleansed it, driving out the sellers of animals and birds and the money changers. We know that it didn't last long. As soon as Jesus left the temple, everything continued as before. And a few days later, Jesus was crucified. And those entrusted with the temple worship thought they had gotten rid of him once and for all. Isn't it ironic? The Lord of the temple comes to the place dedicated exclusively, exclusively to his worship and has to drive out from there those who think they are honoring and serving God. And even more ironic or downright painful, those who, in their own opinion, honor and worship God, sentence their Lord to death and deliver him to the Romans to be crucified. About 40 years later, the temple of Jerusalem was destroyed. On the one hand, the fall of the temple was an inevitable consequence of resisting God. But on the other hand, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, there was no longer any need for temple worship. The sacrifices of the old covenant were merely figures foreshadowing the only true and effective sacrifice, the death of the Son of God on the cross of Calvary, through which all mankind has been redeemed. In fact, it is not quite right when we say that temple worship is no longer needed. It is true that the sacrifices of the old covenant in the temple of Jerusalem have ended forever. But the honoring and worshiping of God in the temple of our bodies must certainly continue and improve. St. Paul writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, 
by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In today's epistle, St. Paul specifies what this worship and offering ourselves as a sacrifice to God consists of. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Of course, the temple of God isn't limited to our individual bodies. We can rightly call our church building the temple of God, especially because we are sure that he is really present here in the most holy sacrament of the altar. This is also the main reason why we come here, not just to meet our fellow believers, but above all, to meet our Lord, to receive him in holy communion, and to know that we are received by him. From ancient times until the recent past, churches were always built as beautiful and sublime as possible. It was an expression of gratitude, reverence and admiration before God for his wonderful grace and greatness. And the reason why churches were mostly built high, even reaching to the skies, was the desire that people would also raise their eyes and elevate their souls to heaven, to God. Now, pay close attention. The same must apply to the temple of our own body. Just as people lift up their eyes and elevate their hearts to God when they see a church tower, God wants them to do the same when they see us. God wants us to be living witnesses to his grace and greatness, so that all the people around us may experience the one thing we always owe them, love, and not just our love, but above all, the love of God.
I said that until the recent past, churches were always built as beautiful as possible. Unfortunately, in the last more than half a century, there has been a complete change, not only in church architecture, but in art in general. Instead of ennobling us and elevating our souls, the purpose of art has become to highlight the ugliest, both around us and within us. And this is also reflected in the way many modern churches are built and decorated. Yes, there is a lot of ugliness around us and inside us. And certainly we must not cover it up with a veil of hypocrisy. But we don't have to flaunt it with pride either. We have to get rid of it as we get rid of anything that stains and defiles us. Unfortunately, it seems that somewhere there is someone who actually enjoys making us more and more infantile, incapable and irresponsible. I recently saw a cartoon that said, in 1980s, we thought we would have flying cars in 40 years. And underneath it was the year 2023, and next to it was a photo of a hamburger in a wrapper on which was written, do not eat this wrapper. <laughs> Who knows, maybe this is our current level of intelligence. It is often asked why God allows evil. The first answer to this question is that God allows evil because he wants us to have the freedom to choose between good and evil. To choose good, not the evil. Of course, God wants us to make the right choice, but he does not force it on us. This is our tragedy, but this is also our true greatness. This means that we must take responsibility for our own lives and choices and cannot put the decision on someone else's shoulders. It also means that when we encounter something that is bad and wrong, either around us or within us, we should not accept it, but must do something about it. Most of the time, it means effort, even hard effort, but it is worth it because it cleanses our soul, the temple of the Holy Spirit in which we are called to worship God. And we become stronger and more like our Creator in whose image we are created. This is the second equally important answer to the question of why God allows evil. When evil is defeated, 
goodness shines much brighter than without, without the necessary struggle to achieve this victory. It takes effort to achieve something truly valuable. Of course, we know that ultimately it is God himself who builds and adorns us as his holy temple. But he doesn't do it without us. In this season of Advent, let us take seriously the call to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and be built up as his holy temple. In the name of the Lord, of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.